With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Canon Cast. We are a podcast from the Canon, the best community for Columbus Blue Jackets fans on this here internet. We are glad to be back. We are in new homes with the website, a new home for the podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'll talk about that more at the end. We're very excited for this uh, new chapter in our careers. So thanks for being back with us. Uh, Big news here at the end of the season, so we wanted to get the game together to talk about it. I'm your host, PD. I'm here with Seeds. I'm here with Dale. So the big news from the Blue Jackets is that on Saturday morning, the day after the season ended, head coach Brad Larson was relieved of duties with one year remaining on his contract. Uh, I know we've got lots of feelings about it. I know Seeds has a whole page of notes. He's coming in hot. (laughs) So we'll start with you, Seeds. Brad Larson fired. Go. Brad Larson has been fired by the Columbus Blue Jackets. I want to start this in a measured way by saying, by all accounts, by every interaction we've had with you know, the team, with mm-hmm. those who cover the team, he seems like a genuinely nice person who cares about his players. Yeah. That being said, he seems like a guy who was hired and was in over his head. And could not 
when when difficulties arose, when adversity struck, he did not have the ability to meet that adversity where it was. Mm-hmm. As a result, after the team overachieved last year, this year's team had raised expectations, had um they had they had raised expectations and they had there was more pressure put on the team this year. And when they stumbled out of the gate, Brad Larson didn't have the ability to address that. He didn't have the ability to hold people accountable. And he couldn't meet uh, Brad Larson couldn't meet the famous Lars bar. It, mm-hmm. And it came down to the fact that when, when players needed to be held accountable, when there needed to be adjustments made, when critical decisions needed to be made for the future of this franchise, Brad Larson couldn't do it. And that ultimately is what brought him to his end as a blue jackets head coach. Um, obviously in, in his press conference yesterday, Yarmo talked about that, the culture was a problem. This culture this year had turned to one of losing and heart and a culture where there was minimal accountability of players and of Brad Larson himself. And that is ultimately why they needed to go in a different direction. It's kind of something we talked about for years on and off is like, do you really want to continue the culture of John Tortorella and um, what, what what more could Brad Larson bring? And ultimately, he didn't bring enough to keep, uh, justify keeping him around, which is why he is no longer the head coach of this franchise. I think it is the right decision. It is the franchise correcting a mistake. And I think this team will be better off in the long term for making the decision they did Saturday morning. Agreed. Right. Perfect. Uh, all right. We are joined by Burkus as well. <laughs> Technical issues resolved. <laughs> off Offseason is getting off to a great start. Love to see that. Uh, so, Burkus, the question for you here. Uh, also on Saturday, they announced that uh, goaltending coach Manny Legacy would not be brought back. He was at the end of his contract. Um, this, I'm sure, was a also a difficult decision on a, on a personal level for him. But do you think that this was the right decision as well? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it ultimately came down to whether or not him still being around was helpful with, to uh, mm-hmm. Elvis with grieving through the whole Kivy situation. And I, I think it, I think it became apparent over the course of this season, especially with how much uh, Corpy flipped once he got to L.A. Now, also, to be fair, L.A. Yeah. has an actual defensive <laughs> system. But right. still, um, like, I think it became obvious that it just wasn't really working anymore and that his presence was becoming more of a like hindrance and a reminder than an actual help. Uh, And like, it it really is unfortunate because if, if, if that doesn't happen, then legacy is likely still coaching and Merzlikens is likely a lot better of a goalie, uh, at least this past two, these past two seasons. Uh, But you know, it ultimately was just, I think it was just, it's less of a clear cut case than Larson, but I think it was ultimately just a time to move on. And yeah, I, I think the goaltending has just been so bad or at best inconsistent over the last couple of seasons. And so I think it's reasonable to think that a new, a new voice is necessary to, to work with Elvis, to work with Tarasov and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, it's, it's a hard move to make for, for personal reasons, but I think if you're just judging it based on results and process, 
I think it's reasonable to say that they need to try something different because Elvis still has four years left on his deal. So it's not like waiving him or trading him or anything like that is a feasible option. He's here next year. So what can we do to get something better out of him? So I, I think that was, that was also the right call. Uh, Dale, I know you're going to be writing about something uh, that'll be up on the site on Monday. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll, that'll be up there for people to read. Uh, What, what next? What, what do we look for in our next head coach? I mean, where do you start? (laughs) I mean, there's so many problems to fix. There's so many issues, you know, seeds touched on the accountability piece. Um, And I have no doubt that, that Yarmo is going to bring in somebody who is not going to be easy on the players. Um, He's going to be demanding. He's going to be like, he's going to be like Tortorella in the first, you know, three or four seasons that Tortorella was in Columbus. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's not going to be fun to be to be a player, other than the fact that they might end up winning more. So yeah. <laughs> um, a coach that has proven that or can at least lay out a plan for how he's going to fix the defensive system um, and fix the defense. Um, I think that and this is kind of where I start to kind of question uh, what exactly they're looking for as far as NHL experience, um, you know, head coaching experience, because I'm a little wary of retreads that have been around the NHL for a long time. And I'll tell you why. Um, The game has changed a ton in the past five years, really in the past two or three years specifically. Yeah. Um, You know, the teams are teams have more puck moving defensemen. Um, The transitions coming from the defensive zone are a lot quicker. They're happening a lot faster. Um, and what you saw from the Columbus team this year um, on the, was the opposite, um, getting having trouble getting out of the zone, um, not being able to combat the, the transition. Um, and so you want a coach that understands how the game has changed and understands how um, they can implement a system that's going to combat how different the game is than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and then on top of that, my personal preference, and you know, this always is, is a tough find around the NHL, is a coach that will at least um, take into consideration advanced statistics. And I don't mean mm-hmm. that the coach needs to be sitting around mulling through all, everything and 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 trying to figure out what each particular statistic means and what it means for his team. But when you put two guys together and they have more chances for mm-hmm. and less chances against. I mean, put two and two together, and those guys should be playing together, right? Um, if you're playing a guy for 22 minutes a night and he's given up, you know, four goals at even strength, maybe you shouldn't be playing him for 22 minutes a night. <laughs> I mean, guys, this isn't hard stuff. Um, so I think initially that's kind of what we're what we're looking for. I think there's going to be a lot of candidates. Um, you know, for for those of you that saw it over the weekend, Elliot Friedman in his 32 thoughts said that he thinks co- coaches could potentially be lining up for this job. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of potential there and there could be a lot of candidates. I think, I think there should be, there are two, there are two things, any head coach of this, then the, I think that, yeah. I think there are two qualities. The next head coach of this franchise needs to possess. It is one. You are a coach with a more modern mindset who thinks the game in the way the game is played right now, quick transitions, move the puck, up the ice. You have to focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to find a coach who has that mindset, who thinks the game in a modern way, who comes in 
with a clear plan on fixing what is wrong with this team's defense. This team, this team in 21-22 gave up 300 goals, which was a franchise record of goals against, and was 28th in the league. This last season, the team gave up 325 goals, breaking their own dubious record, and was 31st in the league in goals allowed this past year. You have to get that fixed. This team cannot succeed unless this defensive structure is fixed. Second plan of attack for this head coach is you must find a way either the head coach or you bring in a goalie coach who can, as Dale has addressed, help and Dale and Burks have addressed, you have to help fix Elvis Merzlikens. Mm-hmm. He he is under contract for four more years. He's the number one goaltender going into next year. And this year he put up an 876 save percentage and won seven games in 30 starts. Yeah. It's just not good enough for his, for what he's being paid for what he's under contract for. That's not good enough. You have those are the for this team to have any success going forward for the next head coaching for the next head coach to have any success. You have to get those two things fixed. Everything else will flow. You know we've got you know it, it's it's obvious that the next head coach will have to have an eye on development. You know, Kirill Marchenko, uh, Johnson. Kent Johnson. Saving Cole Sillinger yep. uh, and helping him rebound from a god-awful season that he had this past year. Those are all critical steps. But those can come, but those are but fixing these two glaring red flags on the back end of this team are, to me, the two keys to success. You have to focus and get those right. Because if you don't get those right, this team is going nowhere. And we're going to be having the same conversation next year, except it's going to be about Yarmo. You have to get those two things right this year. Burgess, what are you looking for in the next coach? I mean, yeah, just those two things. I think the one thing I would maybe add uh, is maybe a bit more uh, innovation, like the offensive end and like not just having everyone stand around and like actually cycling the puck. Like, dude, I, I, in terms of hockey ability, like I have zero and like, like this is something that like, is bleedingly obvious about our team about how we just kind of stand there most of the time, which like in today's NHL, you have to be fast. You have to be moving the puck and you can't just stand there. And it feels like most of the time we're either standing there or chasing or having a guy chase whoever has the puck until he passes it off to someone else. And then we're chasing him like have a bit more like actual structure (laughs) Which, like, that's how low this bar is. Like, we just need, like, well, we don't just need, but, like, having any semblance of basic structure, like, is an improvement. So, like... It's amazing how, like, the ability to, like, having a structure enough to have creativity is, like, a novel concept for this organization. Yeah. Like, letting Johnny Gaudreau be Johnny Gaudreau and, like, move the puck around and, like, cycle around and then someone else see that and react and fill the space that Johnny just vacated that can open passing or shooting lanes is apparently like galaxy brain thinking for this organization, because it's not something we've seen for the last couple of years. It's one of my biggest criticisms of like, of hiring Larson in the first place. And because he was supposed to be a guy who could shepherd us into the next generation. He was supposed to be this developmental head coach and he was supposed to be able to be more of a player's coach to help them play the game. They want to be, they the way they want to play it. Did we see any of that the last two years? Did we see much like, like how good of a developmental 
coach was he? Because like, yeah, Cole Sillinger came in and played really well last year and had severe regression this year. Yeah, Ken Johnson came in and played well this year, but how much of that was just his raw talent and him taking the opportunity that was, you know, presented to him on the power play? You know, Kirill Marchenko was sniping goals, but, you know, Brad Larson didn't teach him his shot. That's something he developed. That is something he had before he came here. How many guys? How many guys are appreciably better? How many assists did Marchenko finish with? Like two? Like five. I legitimately so couldn't he, tell you. Yeah, like yeah, he had a, he had a Cy, Cy Young record basically. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, he's gonna be more of a shooting type, but like the fact that he had like two assists, I think, kind of points to his shot carrying him, like a lot mm-hmm. of the way. So like, yeah, like. He had four. Four assists. Like that's that's real. Like, yeah. Like maybe like try actual like offense instead of just praying Marchenko and Lina and Godro just are good enough. Because spoilers, if our goal is eventual contention, which I am assuming it is, because that's what it should be, having mm-hmm. just Godro and Lina and Marchenko do offense is not gonna work. So we're going to need a bit more, you know, actual, like, I don't know. I feel like Larson saw Miracle on Ice and learned how to coach through that. <laughs> like, I, keep, I keep going back to what our buddy Jack Hahn said in Larson's first year um, in the system that was put into place in Columbus. And he, what did he basically said that they're playing a, a negative hockey, a negative, uh, a negative hockey, uh, sorry, negative possession hockey. And it's like, well, okay, if you're starting in that place, then where do you expect to go? And as far as development-wise goes with players, it's how good is your development going to be when you're getting pounded every single night in possession? Yeah. You look at a yeah. guy like Cole Sillinger who just struggled all year long, and how can you expect a guy like that to get over the hump when you're just getting destroyed on a nightly basis? So, you know, I think just everything was just kind of set up to where, um, you know, from the system to the development, it was just seems like it all just went off the rails and we saw it go per, get progressively worse over the past two years, right? The past two seasons, um, nothing got better. It just got, get, kept getting worse and worse. And I think that the, maybe like the looseness and the player coach thing that he was supposed to bring, I do think maybe it was in place last season. And that's part of why last season, at least at the start was so much better than we expected. I think the players like being immediately out from under the torts system, they're playing looser and had more fun. I think the injection of a guy like, uh, you know, Jake Voracek helped things in the locker room and all that. Um, and so I, and so I think they kind of were just riding that momentum, but then this year as adversity hit and a guy like Jake was then, you know, out with injury and Zach Wierenski was out with injury and all these hits kept coming. And that's where you would need, not just the talent to carry the team, but a structure, you know? And I think with under torts, you could at least say that players knew what their job was. And if someone needed to be replaced, there was an understanding of what role would need to be filled. So if you look at like the, uh, the season right before COVID hit, there were a ton of injuries then. And the team was playing its best hockey because these guys came up from the AHL and they plugged in, and they knew what they were doing. Whereas this year, guys were getting hurt. Guys were coming up from Cleveland, and they looked like AHLers, and they didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. Uh, and I think that's yeah, that's exactly when it came to when you really needed to have a plan. 
the plan didn't seem to be in place. And for the what we're looking for next coach, the re, I I understand the issue of like we don't want to go with a retread, but there are two. There's a difference between I think and a fine line between retread and experience. Um, if it's a coach that has been around a lot but has always been kind of mediocre, like like a Paul Maurice type, for example, uh, you know, like that's not what you want. Or like an Elaine Vigneault is like, yeah, we don't want to go that route. But like someone like maybe a Pete DeBoer who bounces around a lot, has a short shelf life, but always generally seems to do well at least at the start with his teams. Or it's maybe, you know, he get they move on because – they're not getting far enough in the playoffs, but he does get them to the playoffs. You know, that kind of, it's worth going. And, you know, NHL cycles through coaches so much that you're going to get guys that have had other jobs. So, um, you know, like a guy like Peter Laviolette is on the market. And he he wouldn't be my top pick necessarily, but this is a coach that generally does well at every stop he's been at. So that's where I think his experience would help. Uh, two years ago, I definitely wanted to break the mold. Bring in a college coach. Bring in a European coach. Someone with crazy new ideas because we were at the bottom. Why not experiment? But where we're at now, uh, we are based on our roster. We need to be so much closer to contention. And I don't want to necessarily waste any more years on a big risk of a coaching hire. I want to go with someone who has a little bit more proven success at the NHL level. So even someone like Andrew Burnett, who is younger uh, and who could maybe understand a good style of hockey to play. And he has experience coach. Now it's not a ton of experience and you can debate how much of that was just Joel Quinville system or whatever, but he was a coach for the bulk of that season. And that team was really freaking good. And then he was assistant here in New Jersey and they got really, really freaking good with him being like the only thing that changed on the coaching staff. So Someone that's who also played over a thousand NHL games, too. Yeah, exactly. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Going back to just Larson, though, and, like, his culture of accountability and, like, one of the things Yarmo stressed in his presser yesterday was that, you know, they didn't evaluate this team on wins and losses. They evaluated them on habits, practice habits, how they were showing up, how they were performing in the locker room, how they were going about their day-to-day. And it seems like once this season went off the rails, it really went off the rails. And that, more than anything else, it seems like is what got Brad Larson fired. I don't think this decision was made... I like. I don't think this decision was made this week. I think this was made weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It seemed, it certainly... And, I, and I'm curious to know, like, if you guys have an idea in mind of, like, when... When might this have come up in front office discussions and when the discussion might have, like when this decision might've been made? Cause like li- I listened to the skate space. They talked, they did yesterday with like Rimmer and Jody or Rimmer and Bob McElligot and those other guys. And they were just talking and there were a couple moments that, and 
my girlfriend Maria, she might have she she mentioned one earlier that like I think the first indication that things were really going wrong this year was back in October when Arizona came to town and mm-hmm. beat this team's ass in Nationwide Arena. I mean, yeah. I was at that game, and it was like the, the final was six to three, and it wasn't that close. No. It was that wasn't like that. That was really the first indication this year of like something under the hood is dramatically wrong. And then they in the skate space this week or yesterday, they kept talking about the the Tage Thompson Buffalo game. And I think that was like the final crystallization of like this team has no accountability. They have no pushback. And there there is one player single handedly destroying them and they have no answer on there's like there's nothing they they have no way to respond to this i think that is that might not have been the night they made the decision but that's the night the decision was clear is like we have to do something differently when because this is just a total act like execution when did Wierenski get injured i'm trying to remember the exact the the, the, was, the philadelphia game right after they got back from finland yeah. Okay. And, I was and, that. and and that's and that's my one big and that's my one big nitpick with the, what Rimmer and Bob McGilligan were talking about is someone had asked a question about defensive systems, and they made the comment that you can't judge the team's defensive system because Warinsky got hurt, and I strenuously <laughs> object to that because this team's defense was horrible before Wierenski got hurt. They had no structure, no plan, couldn't clear the puck, and were skating around with, like chickens with their heads cut off in five weeks before Wierenski yeah, got hurt. They were 3-8 and eight before Wierenski got hurt. That's not an excuse. But the reason I'm asking that three, is because three, after Wierenski got hurt, yeah. including the game he got hurt, after Wierenski got hurt, this team went, uh, what is that, 4-1-1 one, and one for the next six games. Wierenski getting hurt is not the reason this team started falling off the side of a mountain. The yeah. the moment it starts becoming bad is losing one to three to Montreal. And that kicks off a streak of being very, very bad in December. I'm not going to count that up, but we got two wins and no OTLs. Yeah. Well, I, I, it was bad from the beginning because yeah. as I said, they were three and seven in October, went off to Finland, came back, uh, three and nine. They did have that little streak in November, but they were playing bad teams. They were playing, they were beating Philly and Montreal. Right. Um, so yeah. not, not a lot. I mean, they had a chance to turn around, but they needed to start winning against good teams, which didn't happen. Things got harder in December and things just spiraled out of control from there. So I do think, I mean, we were talking about, I think it was maybe in that stretch in late October of like, if there's a, they were going to hit like, seven straight regulation losses at one point or something like that. And like, Hey, that's what got Todd Richards fired. Is that going to get Larson fired? I'm sure that at that point, the question was raised. And I think at some point they may have decided that, well, look, firing him mid season is not really going to change anything. It's not really going to fix anything. We might as well write it out again, especially if you consider it to the Connor Bedard of it all, <laughs> then ah, maybe we just let it ride and deal with this at the end of the season. But I'm sure that those early struggles in October had to have them start thinking like, hey, maybe this is not the answer. Yeah, I, I, to go back to Caesar's comment real quick, you go go look up the roster of the Arizona Coyotes. And <laughs> what, do I have me, to? You tell me how many names on that roster, especially on defense, that you recognize, right? 
<laughs> and you tell me that they had every right to have a significantly better defense than the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, yeah. it's 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 ridiculous to to in my mind to make that statement of saying, oh, well, Wierenski got hurt, so you can't judge the defense as a whole. Like, this is the NHL. I don't care what team it is. These guys all play at at least a certain level. There should at least be structures in place that can make these guys play at, at, at a certain floor, right? Well, and, 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 I, that. and as I pointed out, I was on the uh, Second City Hockey Pod last week, and uh, I pointed out that even in October, as you guys will all remember, there was – at least one game, maybe two or three, in October, when Wierenski was healthy, where he played fewer five-on-five minutes than Eric Goodbranson. That should never happen. That should never, ever, ever, ever happen. Do you know I know how many uh, games in October and November we gave up less we gave up uh less than three goals? Two. How many? I'm gonna get, I was gonna guess one. <laughs> okay, first and, and like seeds, you posted some names in the chat here that you allege are the coyotes defensive pairs. <laughs> did you did you make up any of these names? Is this kind of like a guess which ones are real? Or did you ask like chat GPT to give you Arizona Coyotes defensive pair names? Like, come on. I swear I swear to God, every one of those names came from our own preview of that game. So oh, I was on. going to look at it. I was looking at the NH- the roster on NHL app. I, PD, you wrote that preview. Because the way that it is. Because <laughs> the way that. They display it. it's like J Moser, D Mayo. I honestly couldn't have told you what any of those players' first initials were, like first names were. No, like, no. I think it's J J Moser. I'm not sure, and everyone else, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and you can't really you can't really say that Shane Gostaspier is a is a defenseman anyway either. So yeah, that like count. Yeah, he's no. traded to Carolina at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah. like. What is Jay Valimaki's first name? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, we're man. so bad. Oh, we're so bad. And uh, we're running late on time. So we have a whole summer to talk about how bad the team wants to break it down. <laughs> Next week, we can talk about the whole draft position of it all and as we lead up to May 8th and all that. So we'll save time for all that stuff. But with the time we have left today, we've got the playoffs starting this week. And, you know, I'm glad the jacket season's done. We don't have to deal with that. I am excited for the playoffs, though. The NHL playoffs are always super exciting, especially like the first two rounds. There's just so much good, fun hockey. So uh, real quick, uh, let's go through the first round pairings. Uh We'll sort of go in order. Uh, I'll go Dale Seeds Burkus here for the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, starting in the Metro, Carolina Islanders. Go. Carolina in five. Seeds. Carolina in six. Burkus. Also Carolina in six. Yeah, I agree with Carolina. This is a series that I don't want to watch at all. This, it's, it's <laughs> Not be a- one second. <laughs> Carolina is a very good hockey team, but they don't have anyone that can finish. That was their issue in the playoffs last year. I think it's going to be the issue this year. Especially you know, not having special, yep. special being out. Patch got hurt again. Like all that really sucks. 
Uh, I hope they can be better, but and then the team that can't finish going up against Ilya Sorokin, who can get hot, but I don't think he's going to be hot enough to carry that team through the series. And Islanders just they play boring hockey. They're not a very good roster. Barzell's overrated. It, yeah, don't want to talk about them anymore. Uh, the other series in the Metro though is going to be super fun. I think Devils Rangers Dale. I have Rangers in seven seeds. I think this is going to be the single best series of the first round. I can, I am going to watch every single second of this series, and I have the Devils in seven. Okay, Burkus. Uh, I also have Rangers in seven. All right, <laughs> so, so we all agree it's going to go seven. I think we all hope that it goes. I, seven. I wanted to go seven. seven. Less, there are there seven. are like a lot of series. I'm just hoping go seven games, just so we can get seven games of hockey from this, and this is one of them. My hot take is not only do I think the Devils will win the series, I have the Devils going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because, again, I said I don't really love Carolina or the Islanders, so I think the Devils can beat them and go on to the uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, in the Atlantic, uh, the Bruins, who, my God, this team, they set new records for wins in a season, for points in a season, and unlike team like the 2019 lightning i feel like these bruins are also built for playoff success so uh bruins against the panthers dale this could be a sneaky good series um the oh. panthers the panthers dealt the bruins two losses in the regular season well, that's um, interesting. but I, I still say bruins in six i think the bruins are the team to beat obviously they're disgusting um they might not have patrice bergeron for game one which is interesting hmm. so there's some intrigue there about how they might line up, but Nick Felino is expected to be back. Taylor Hall is expected to be back. I think I've got the Bruins in five. Uh, my actual prediction is Bruins in four. <laughs> I think they sweep this. But it would just be the most Blue Jackets thing ever and a cherry on top of this miserable season to have our sweep of Tampa get one-upped by Florida sweeping Houston. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> that would just be the most, the biggest, the worst thing. Like, that, like, a very not small part of me just kind of knows that that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be Boston in four. I could totally see uh. the Panthers just, like, Erasing the one good moment in Blue Jackets history. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'll never forgive you if you speak this into existence. They don't uh, want it to happen. Also, yeah, I also Give say I'll be celebrating. I'll, 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 I'll make T-shirts with his face on. <laughs> I'm quite literally crying, laughing. This is hilarious. Yeah, I'm gonna say Boston in the five-game gentleman sweep. All right, so now on to the Western Conference, and we'll reverse the. Uh, You're forgetting one, oh, sir. You forgot a series. Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. I uh Tampa, Toronto, rematch of last year's series. Uh Dale. Um, so this is going to be a great series. Yeah. Um, I have the lightning in seven, um, for two reasons. Number one, because it'd be hilarious. <laughs> and number two, so that they'll blow up the the blow up the Maple Leafs, and that we can make some crazy trade for Nylander or or somebody crazy. <laughs> or hear me out, Sheldon Keith. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, I I don't think either of those are going to happen because, gentlemen, this is the year the Leafs do it. <laughs> I am on I, this. This is my wagon pick. I think this is the year the Leafs get it done. 
Once this team finally wins a playoff series by beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games, because the Lightning have been trashed down the stretch, mm-hmm. the light the the Leafs have had nothing to play for all regular season. They've known this as the matchup since October because the Boston Bruins have been so good. Their entire singular focus has been on beating the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the year they get it done. This is the year the monkey gets off their back. And once the monkey is off their back, this team is free and dangerous. They can go into the second round where all the pressure is on the Bruins because the Lightning have the Lightning have exceeded expectations. The Bruins have to live up to beat to their President's Trophy standards. I think this is the year the Lightning can or the Leafs can make a real, real, real run at the Stanley Cup. I am picking the Lightning or the Leafs to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. Shed that monkey and for the Toronto media to go bananas this season. Wow. All right, Burgess. Dude, it's the Leafs, Lightning and Seven. <laughs> so, I, I also I also think it's going to go seven, but I do agree with seeds in part. I do think that Toronto gets it done this year because yeah, Tampa's been a little iffy. I don't think Toronto is going to go any farther because I don't trust the goaltending situation. If Sansonov's not one hundred percent, then you know I don't going to trust some uh, amateur tryout goalie to uh, get them past Boston. Nope. But I do th- I do think that ter- Toronto finally has enough to get it get through. I, I'll say. If I explicitly disagree with Lightning and um, no, sorry, with Leafs and seven, because mm-hmm. if Toronto wins the series, they need to do it in six or less games. Because if mm. this thing goes to seven, I I don't know if I'll be twenty one by then. My birthday is May second, <laughs> but I am betting like an unreasonable amount of money on the Lightning to win Game Seven if it goes to seven. <laughs> yeah, goal, goal. Another thing too is goaltending is still a huge question mark for the Leafs too. So there's, yeah, there's still that. Yeah, I get the Game 7 thing, but again, like like last year, they do have Game 7 at home, which should help them a little bit. All right, on to the Western Conference. We'll reverse the order here. Uh, Stars versus Wild in the Central Division. Berkus. I don't think you have to overthink this one. You have Jake Ottinger for one team, yeah. and the other team does not have Jake Ottinger. Like, <laughs> I I love Gus, and the and uh, sorry, not the Wild. The Stars scoring is a bit... Uh, suspicious. Uh, but I think ultimately, like, Jake Ottinger is going to Jake Ottinger. So I have the stars in, I don't know, six, probably. I don't care. I'm numbered. <laughs> All right, see? One team has Jason Robertson, Rupe Hens, Miro Heiskanen, Jake Ottinger, Joe Pavelski. The other team has Kirill Kaprizov. Stars in six. And Gus Nyquist. Yes. <laughs> Dale um, f- first I want to say how much I struggled with this side of the bracket because the West is a total crapshoot um, <laughs> I think the Wild are, are, are overrated um, they wouldn't be a good team in the East so Stars and Six yeah uh, in very recent years I disliked the Stars a lot I really didn't like Rick Bonus style hockey uh, but the Stars this year are super fun that top line rocks. They've got good depth now as well. They made some savvy moves. Their defense is good. Their goalie's great. Uh, Pete DeBoer, he's a good coach this time of year to at least get make a team to the you know conference finals, cup finals, whatever. So 
Uh, yeah, I've got the Stars actually winning the whole Western Conference. I got got oh. them losing to Boston in the final. So, oh God, uh, so do I. Now I yeah. don't feel good about that pick. I've got Dallas in the hey, final. I'm the one who should be nervous about that. Come on, man. Uh, so yeah, Stars in five. Uh, all right, the other one in the Central, the defending champion Avalanche against the upstart Seattle Kraken. Burkus, go. I, I think this is another one you don't really have to overthink. Uh, one Ooh. team has Kel McCarr. The other team, I could not name a defenseman off the Seattle Kraken if you pay, if you had a gun to my. <laughs> this is this is Vince Dunn slander, sir. I can now name one defenseman off the Seattle Kraken if you put a gun to my head. Um, so yeah, Avs and four, <laughs> maybe right, maybe five. I'll, I'll, I'll give them five. I've got Avs and six because the Avs are banged up. It's not clear if they'll get Landis Cog back, but even I think they announced. He, Avs... I think they announced he's he's not going to come back. Yeah, Landis Cog's he's done for the whole playoffs. Okay, cool. Uh, even without Landis Cog, they still have the uh, talent to beat the Kraken. So, uh, one as Burke said, one team has Kale McCarr. They also have some guy named uh, Nathan McKinnon. I don't know if you guys have heard of this guy. Might be something one day, but uh, yeah, I think uh, Avs in six. Dale. Kraken aren't built for the playoffs. Goaltending issues. Um, yeah, I, I, Avalanche sweeping four. Yeah, I agree with that. Goaltending issues for the Kraken and... They're built very interestingly with great balance. They have like one of the worst scoring top lines, but one of the best scoring fourth lines. But in the playoffs, you need the stars and not the Dallas stars, but like actual star players to, uh, to make the run. And, uh, and they just don't have enough of those except for my boy, Oliver Bjorkstrand. So I think he's going to go nuts in the series. He should win the consummate despite losing in the first round <laughs> in five or six games uh, on to the Pacific division Oilers versus Kings. This was a surprise seven game series last year. I'm expecting another absolute banger. Burkett's go. So, it should be the Oilers. Like, you have Connor McDavid. You have Leon Dreisaitl. <laughs> Matthias Ekholm has done wonders for this team's defense. They're super hot going in. But the Kings made a trade deadline deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets, which means they're winning the Stanley <laughs> Cup, which means they have to win this series. So, Kings <laughs> in seven. Fair. See, it's Kings in five. I mean, or uh, not Kings. Excuse me. Oilers in five. One team has two nuclear weapons. The other team does not. I'm sorry. I'm not betting against Connor McDavid. All right, Dale. I have Kings in seven. One, because it'll be hilarious. And yeah. two, because the Kings are hot. Okay. Uh, the Kings are red hot. Uh, they're a team that I wanted to have make a little bit of a run here. Happy for Gavi, happy for Corpy. They're thriving out there. Uh, I had always reflexively hated the Kings because of the whole you-know-who situation. But now that he's gone, I don't really have to hate them anymore. And they've got these two guys who are super cool. Uh, but I had sort of – I didn't realize until I read some stuff recently, the Oilers have also been really freaking good since the calendar turn. Uh, and so they're not just McDavid and Dreisaitl. They've got their defense fixed. I don't trust Stuart Skinner a ton, but he's been playing pretty well. So – uh, I think the Oilers are built to get back to the Western Conference Finals, so I have the Oilers winning this one in seven, but I will not be upset with either outcome in that one. Seeds. 
Also, guys, we need the uh, Kings pick to be higher so we can trade it for Kevin Hayes. So, we need the Oilers to win. Chef Fletcher got fired, okay? That train has left the station. Oh, we don't know. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Y'all are welcome. The final series in the West. Uh, Speaking of awful Rick bonus hockey, the Jets (laughs) against the number one uh, seed there in the Pacific, the Vegas Golden Knights. Back in the playoffs, Jack Eichel finally making his playoff debut. Burkus, Vegas or Winnipeg? Has Jack Eichel seriously not played in the playoffs yet? When, when would he have? Vegas last year? Wait, Vegas missed they last year. Make- no, they didn't make it last year. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, no, um, this is this is the Golden Knights, I think, their series to lose. And potentially Connor Hellebuck could do it to him. But Winnipeg was so, 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 so bad going into the playoffs like I'm on this I'm on a discord server with a couple Jets fans in it and they were just not having a good time so <laughs> yeah I'm picking Vegas I could see Hullabuck stealing a few games but I don't think he'll steal four so I think uh Vegas and six all right Vegas and six Rick bonus hockey is terrible yep Dale I think this series will be closer than than a lot of people think um but I have Vegas and seven yeah, Vegas has some issues, but and Winnipeg should be better than they are. Like on paper, they should be better than what they are in reality. It's kind of weird how they kind of fell off this year and had really fights to get in the playoffs. So that's a whole weird situation. But I do think Vegas takes it in about six games or something like that. So looking one thing of them, yeah, one thing of note about Winnipeg is like. I read something earlier today, might have been in like Dom's preview of the series, mm-hmm. that like Kyle Connor and maybe also Mark Shifley both shot like six percent below their career average for the mm-hmm. second half of the season. So if those guys get back to scoring, yeah, Winnipeg could very easily make this a series, especially with Vegas's goaltending being somewhat iffy. But I don't know. It's it's positive. So I just want I just want to put that out there that like if if Winnipeg is surprisingly competitive, it's probably because those guys got back into it. All right, so that'll do it for us this week. But before we go, I did want to make a mention of all of the new stuff that's happening. So uh, jacketscanon.com, our URL. We kept our URL. It's directing to our new site there. If you haven't checked it out, please check it out. We're really excited about what we're doing there. We're really happy for everyone who has joined us in the move over there and signed up. Uh, you can sign up for a free subscription that will allow you to comment, join the conversation there. If you really like what we do and want to support us more, you can do a paid subscription. And this offseason will have some perks coming out for the paid subscribers. Uh, I promised that I would uh, give a shout out both on the site and on the podcast each week. I will shout out a paid subscriber. So I actually want to do two shout outs. Uh, first for Llama Hockey who signed up at our special four by four tier, uh, which I did. I set that up mostly as a joke, but also in case anyone did want to pay us that money, they could go for it. And we really genuinely, seriously appreciate that. He did that. That's awesome. Llama hockey. You rock. Also friend of the pod, Justin Needham, who made a frankly irresponsible donation to our GoFundMe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Justin, you rock as well. Thank you guys. Uh, also, shout out to Fans First Sports Network, uh, in particular, Jeff, 
Dave, Brian, these guys running things behind the scenes. So uh, at the same time that our former corporate overlords cut the hockey sites, they also cut all of the podcasts in their network across all the sports. So a bunch of the pods have decided we're getting together. We're forming our own thing. So this is uh, an operation run by the creatives. So there's, you know, there's less overhead. We're doing it for ourselves. We're sharing the revenue. It's a super exciting thing to be doing here where we control the direction of what we're doing. And it's people who actually know and love sports and care about sports that are running this thing. So hopefully you will see, you know, ads that are more tailored to the types of fans we have listening. And we could have more locally oriented ads. Uh, a lot of the other Ohio teams have podcasts that are part of this network. Bengals, Browns, Guardians, Reds, Cavs, Ohio State. So I'm hoping to maybe do some stuff with those guys uh, here down the line. So we're very happy to be part of the Fans for Sports Network. We've got more stuff in the plans for next season with the other hockey sites that are also doing their independent thing, but we're helping each other out behind the scenes, and that's really cool too. So uh, we're excited for the new beginnings. Uh, we appreciate everyone's patience as we, you know, didn't have pods as often as we're going through all this. It was a lot of work behind the scenes. Very stressful, but we're through it. And uh, the support we've gotten, just the words of encouragement from people, um, I, 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 I'm really touched by it. And that means a lot to me that people said that. And I'm glad that this pod and the site means something to people, that people love joining the comment section and talking with other Jackets fans. I think we have a real community here and i really mean that that i think it's it's the best that our our fan base has to offer so thanks to everyone that thank you to my staff uh and josh you couldn't make it tonight but you guys rock thank you for sticking through this so i appreciate you coming on tonight we will be back next week i promise we'll get back at a regular schedule now uh we're looking forward to doing that we've got so much more to talk about about the season that's happened about what's going to happen in the off season it's going to be a big one guys i'm telling you so thanks y'all for listening we will catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, check out jacketscanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Curley and Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to angelapurley.com for more music and show notes.